Saying low, Apple Music. Long before I lived out here in Los Angeles and California, you know, there are legends, there are stories that get told and people that influence you from very far away. And for me, I was in Auckland, New Zealand, just hanging out with my friends, discovering music of all different styles and sounds and locations. But Los Angeles was featuring very highly in our day-to-day lives. We were obsessed with the hip hop that was coming out of the West Coast and anything that was associated with it, we were just absorbing and trying to learn from. So needless to say, when Cypress Hill landed with their debut album, simply called Cypress Hill, That was a total game changer. That record start to finish just captured our imaginations and taught us in equal measure. From there, we started searching for anything and everything that was either inside or circling that record. And it wasn't long before we came across Mr. Cartoon. Legendary artist, graffiti artist, turned tattoo artist, and of course, the art is a significantly important part of what draws you into music in the first place. Think of those classic album titles, those logos, those posters, that merch, those backdrops, those videos. When it comes to life like that, you get a deep sense of what is moving, motivating, and inspiring the music. And that's what Mr. Cartoon was and remains for Soul Assassins, but also for the artists that followed. He's collaborated with some of the most iconic artists, both through their art and in person through his tattoos that have been seen in so many countless iconic images, music videos, the list goes on. Now that would be fine if we were just focusing on legacy, but the reason we spoke to Mr. Cartoon as part of Latin Heritage Month is because he's continued to push forward with advancements in technology and new ways to distribute his art and influence the culture from inside the room to outside of the rest of the world. This has been something he's been dedicated to and remains so. A great conversationalist, a fascinating life story, and an eye on the future. This is my conversation with the legendary, iconic Mr. Cartoon. Better run. Move a little faster. I'm coming to blast you with my son of shotgun, hand yeah. on a pump, left hand on a 40, pump my shotgun, la, 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 la. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's right. You were right there. In the pocket. You were right there when, when everything changed. You helped change it straight Cypress up. Hill. Oh, man. And you and your friends and everything that revolved around that time. It echoed around the world in such a massive way. Me and my friends in Auckland, New Zealand, obsessed. Yeah. So I feel like I know you even though I just met you. Same here. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. I've been watching your interviews. Thanks, man. Been a, had an eye on you, for sure. Thank you, bro. Well, I couldn't miss you, man. You've, you've influenced so much, you know, with your innate ability and talent, but also your dedication and hard work. Let's not get it twisted. This isn't just about what God gave you. This is about the work that you put in as well, the inner work. Sure, thank you. I'm glad that we're able to catch up. Let's get to the facts right now because we can dive deep as we move forward. But the most recent thing to discuss is the fact that this really important month, Latin Heritage Month, something that for you is every second of every single day, every <laughs> week, every month. But yeah, this is where the world hopefully sits up and mm-hmm. continues to take notice. And you know, you're partnering with us, which I mean, like good on us. Well done Great. us. So let's talk about how that came to be because it really, it weaves into something that you've already been doing and, it, and it's part of your method, correct? And how you use technology to help other people achieve their vision. Yeah, I love that word method because that's really what it takes is uh, approaching something a lot of times the same way over and over, repetition. You know, fortunately, um, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not like work. But it takes work. It takes a lot of work, you know, and... I think when you're in a professional level, sometimes people kick back and they're like, oh, man, that's easy. Or you got it. Oh, man, you're lucky. Like my friends always told me I was lucky growing up because I think they had like 
they had a hard time grasping their brain that I was getting paid for something like art. And in an essence, they're right. <laughs> I mean, we crazy, all are. We sure. all are. But that doesn't discount the point that you're about to make. Yes. And, you know, as we get older, we get sharper and we start to express ourselves. And hopefully now we're laying a blueprint out for all these youngsters coming up. I mean, there's so much dope talent out there, musically and artistically. So mm. music's kind of set up. They can look as a, as a musician and go, okay, if I do this and this and this, I'll get that. But being a graph writer, like street artist, and going into being a professional is not as smooth yet. No, you're right. It's always been something that I think was considered a fringe, a fringe pursuit, something that you would do because you love to do it. And even before that, let's just really read the history books. It was considered probably something more associated with flagrant disregard for, for rules. Yeah, crime. 100%. You know, tattoos, graffiti, all that's lowbrow. You know, you go to jail for something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, us taking it now to where pro ball players are sporting it, uh, successful musicians, now people, those soccer moms are getting sleeves. You've man. seen it all, bro. It's like that scene out of Blade Runner, you know, where Rucker Howe is like, I've seen ships on fire off the shores of Orion. That'll be you at 105, man, when you move on to the next lifetime. You'll just be like, man, the sh I've seen. It's crazy. I'm, I'm grateful just to be, you know, observing it all. Even with the madness like the pandemic, you know, just being here during those crazy times and being able to uh, still do what we do. And, you know, my heart goes out to everyone that, that's struggling out there. Yeah, me too. You know, um, technology, I think, has definitely helped. That's where all of that work that, 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 that led up to this technological revolution hitting a tipping point allowed people to not just be able to work if needed, create if needed, stay connected to family and friends, all that stuff. Like, oh, okay, we For have sure. that. Other eras of humanity as a species during these kind of global issues didn't have that. So at least we've had that. And, you know, you've been adopting that, moving from the street and moving from a place where it was pure expression into using technology now for a while. How do you apply it into the method that we discussed? How do you use it to get, to, to get the result you're looking for? I'm always adding to my method anything that can help me uh, be more fluid and make my life a little easier and help me take that idea out of someone's head and, and manifest it. Uh, these tools help a lot. You know, I, I used to teach, I don't want to date myself too much, but I used to cut Ruby Lith for T-shirt color separations. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything was by hand. I drew with a rapidograph pen on a piece of board and, you know, I drew Eminem's logo like I'm that. I'm right there know? beside you. When we used to run a merch for the little group in New Zealand, we used to have, that's how we used to have to do it. You have to go to the one person who did it, mm. 20 miles out of town, and then you'll be, you would have to approve it. And if you didn't like it, too bad, because you don't have the money for another one. There's a lot of setup, and you get surprised right there on the spot to see if they could pull it off. Yeah. Now, <laughs> we got Command Z, and we got all these <laughs> things that Z. my friends are like, bro, there's this computer, man, and, and you got to check out Photoshop. And I had to teach myself all those programs, you know, swim or sink, as they say. And a lot of the guys maybe that were 10 years older than me, they they kind of refused to take on um, technology and it made it a lot harder for them towards the end, you know? Yeah, now we have the App Store and my gosh, 
We have Mr. Cartoon, the legendary and iconic, partnering with the App Store. Like you said, to be able to, and I love this phrase, so I use as much as I can, to, but, I, but I have to quote Salam Remy, in order to build shade that others may seek refuge in or to provide food others may eat. And I think that's that tight. that's exactly where you're at now at this point in your life, right? As well as continuing to do great work and fulfill your ongoing dreams, it sounds to me already after five minutes like you're seeking to create legacy for others. Thank you. You know, shout out to Salon Remy and, and Amy Winehouse, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all, even that music inspires me to draw. And, you know, now we're really at a point to where we want to share. You know, it's, uh, I was told you can't keep what you got unless you give it away. And it, that means like sharing the method. You know, I can't do the work for them. I can't mm. fail mm. for them. I can't succeed for them. But I can't show them the method. And that's what I love about this is being able to share these like so-called secrets the codes yeah that i say secrets because a bunch of the old timers they never wanted to share well that's why i wanted to ask you because this is something that you get to uh, uh, you know at some point in your life through wisdom experience challenge and triumph you realize to your point you said it be more beautiful than i've heard for you know for a long time which is you know you can't keep it unless you're willing to share it right it's not yours unless you're willing to give it away but in the beginning let's just go back it's competitive to the point of dangerous probably if you start creeping around someone's method mm. especially in, in tattooing and graffiti art you know the guys do not you know they they sometimes even look at art, art being artistic as weakness you know what i'm saying like too artistic so there's a certain grime that goes behind graph and, and tattooing now it's changed that is no longer really here because with the Europeans coming in with insane spray paint styles and cans and product, and with this new generation influenced by the internet, a lot of those old school rules are, are out. Those are gone. But we could talk about them still and let these guys know how good they got it to be able to watch a tutorial on something. Or mm. Where before, the old men, they were trying to teach you the wrong method so that you would get frustrated and quit because they didn't want you to steal their work or underbid them. Or, wow. You know, so wow. now I, I'm like, I, I dare these youngsters to do it because it's very difficult and it takes a lot of time and work. But if you love it, man, you know, it's, it's like hitting the lottery. Such a good point. I mean, even on a far less kind of visceral way, I would go around to friends' houses who made beats and I would make beats and I'd go to look in their record collection. They'd be like, step back. Yeah. They spend a lot of time digging through those crates. You don't get it. There's, you know? there's no fast pass here. Yeah. And I would immediately get it because instinctively I'm being curious and then I have to check myself and go, how would you feel? Mm. These are the things that allow you to be able to express yourself in a competitive industry and in a weird way, and I love your thoughts on this, by democratizing the experience through technology, we've actually stripped back some of that over-competitive nature because it really forces you to believe in your own vision, not in relation to someone else's vision. True. And with technology, still at the end of the day, you got to be fire. You got to be fire. Everyone can have the same tool. How you're going to use it is what's going to define it, right? It's not what it is, it's how you use it. Exactly. Now, these kids, it's not good enough to draw no more. It's not good enough just to sing. You got to be able to market, market, (laughs) do do merch. You got to be able to design your album cover, shoot your own video with your vision speak in front of a crowd of people, do these interviews. And you get that. You've evolved into that 
very quickly as it was becoming very clear that it wasn't to your point just about talent mm. and ambition anymore. You needed to be able to see around the corner. You know, you just got to go to your website to see that. The level of collaborations you're opening yourself up to, you know, all the different strands of Mr. Cartoon Inc. And not I-N-K, I-N-C. <laughs> That's right. You know, when did you realize that actually if you didn't adapt, you know, adapt or die? When I started dealing with record companies, you know, they wanted to do um, album covers and I would do logos for them. And then to get them to them, you know, you'd have to scan them back then and use these different technology. And I, I looked over the guy's shoulders, man, because I did everything by hand painted. And these guys were like, check this out, man. And they can grab the logo and lay it over the top of the painting I just did. So um, I was probably, you know, in the in the mid-90s when I think Apple just started dropping yeah. those big Orange, the first orange <laughs> laptop that was like the, the big ones you know? that were considered small. That was our that was our micro mini like efficient one. It Can you believe that? Crazy, crazy. But yeah, that that was it. You know, you better get with it, and you better um take in all these different styles. But just like anything other than tattooing, you can do like tattooing is so difficult. You're doing on people's skin. They're moving. They're sometimes a little drunk. They have a, they're an art director. You know, they got a family problems with a wife, you know, so you have to be a therapist. And yeah. So doing this stuff, it's, it's a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea of being all of that, of what you just explained in, in order to, you know, pursue your dream of, of, of tattooing and giving people things that will live with them during this natural lifespan. Sure. What's fascinating to me is most artists and in all the other areas that you create art, you're really contributing to your legacy and sharing it with us. When it comes to tattooing, you're really only contributing to someone else's legacy mm. because you have to leave it behind and it immediately becomes theirs. And it was yeah. theirs before you even drew it. True. And I wonder how realizing that has changed over time because it is unique in that regard, I think. It's never, ever yours in a weird way. The style is, mm. but the inspiration and the result is ultimately belongs to the owner. Yeah, and tattooing is very one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I'm doing this for you and then you can go travel the world or exactly. whatever your adventures take you. Um, with you know, using the the Apple and, and, and the tablets and, and doing this type of art, you can reach so many different people. I mean, yeah. that's, that's obvious, but doing artwork that touches the masses and that people are able to identify with and feel a part of, that that's the challenge, you know? What was the first kind of tattoo that you feel traveled beyond the person's skin and started to get recognized by others and made people, in particular in the entertainment industry, want your style and what you do? I mean, I probably have to keep going back to Eminem, you know. You know, he went beyond anything that we ever expected. We knew he was dope. Like, we didn't seen him at the beginning. But when I started tattooing him, I really seen him go out of control and be on the cover of Rolling Stone and Entertainment Weekly. Like, magazines that were, I don't know, A-list celebrity magazines. You know, you got this this tattoo rapper on there. Who with his shirt off? Because part of his whole thing was just like, I'm, you can't contain me, so don't put me in normal construct. Exactly. And 50 Cent's back, he used his back piece tattoo as his yeah. promotion for his album yeah. and his movie. So after that, I, I kind of didn't need my portfolio. We used to lug around these <laughs> these big portfolios, you know, and show you pictures of my work. And then I could reference those guys, made it a lot easier. Mr. Cartoon is with us. We will never have enough time. But the good news is that sure. this story has also been told in brilliant depth in a fantastic documentary I watched last year, which was oh, great, dope. you know, which focused on this really sort of like, uh, you know, one of those classic and definable friendships that only occurs through just life and chemistry. And you just, you can't, sure. you can never make it up. You know, you're <laughs> yes, Mr. Sure. Funny, you never make it up. Well, that's, that's one way I got to 
in touch with a lot of the musicians was through Estevan Audio's meeting Cypress Hill and becoming a member of the Soul Assassins. And being backstage at these concerts when you're just hanging around for, you know, eight hours. You can't go back to the hotel. You're in Germany somewhere. Yeah. So I just brought my tattoo equipment with me and just started lacing up everyone that was backstage. And Stevon would walk up to Outkast or walk up to someone, hey, man, or Nas. And, man, cartoons, you hook it up and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it takes a team to make these things happen. I love that, though. <laughs> I mean, that was the beginning of the marketing, right? Understanding how to reach the artist. And the artist is the key. It unlocks yes. everything. The key and fashion. And, you know, that's what gave us the ammo to do mur- um, interviews like this, you know? Yeah. And then I'll watch Cypress Hill. Like, I'll go to the radio station with them and be amazed that, you know, Sen and Be Real and Muggs would, were so relaxed and do these interviews back and forth. And that's where I started to study. How they answer questions. And yeah. That it was possible. You see one of your friends do it. And you're like, okay, I think I can do it. Very high. That's what made it possible. They were very high the they, whole time. And they were high. <laughs> see, I, I can't even smoke before this because I'm trying to be, you know, fluid. You bring up Cypress Hill and I'm going to nerd out for a minute. He walked in on hand on the palm <laughs> and is. 30 years on that record, which is Never crazy. Isn't it crazy how timeless that album is? <sighs> I mean, some youngsters came out with that right now. Out of here. Scratching their heads. First time you hear pigs, you just be like, what the is this? Crazy. (laughs) And you know, Muggs is just like, something about the way he mixed those those tracks. Yes, his choice of samples and the drum programming and everything, the arrangement. He's a genius producer in any genre. But the sound of it, how he would bit crush it or make it, it, it sounded to me. In New Zealand and Auckland and California, having lived in Los mm. Angeles now, Auckland and Los Angeles, I've even made it that far Got south. Trees, huh? Similar vibes, man. You know, yeah. coastal towns, low-lying industrial neighborhoods, a yeah, yeah, yeah. lot of wooden houses, a lot of wide roads, right? The whole thing feels kind of similar. So it was very much the sound of LA for me, the way Muggs made music. What was it like living in LA, being a part of the new LA with a band like Cypress Hill who took that aesthetic of New York hip hop and made it undeniably California? Yeah, it was it was amazing, you know. Um, even when it was happening, we couldn't believe it. Because these are local kids from Southgate that are blowing up and, and you know, going on Lollapalooza and stuff yeah. like that and, and going on Saturday Night Live. Yo, MTV raps and, like, they're the hottest thing that year. It was out of control, you know. And um, the streets loved them, you know. It's the streets that embraced them. And, and, you know, Muggs is still doing it. Like, he's still, like, go do a work with Griselda or yeah. like find these yeah. raw kids coming up. I, uh, that's one of his talents is to be able to see raw talent. I love how Muggs and Al... Alchemist. Yeah, I mean, to me, they are just the two benchmark poles in the field within w- which everything at some point must pass. You can dance wherever you want, but at some point if you're hip hop, <laughs> you've got to go through those masks. You have to. It's crazy. You have to. Yeah, we're fortunate to have him in our crew. And, and you met Alchemist when he was? He was young Al. Young Al. I mean, that, that would suggest he was actually at legal <laughs> drinking age. I mean, the kid was probably 10, 11, 12. It was crazy. He's always been dope, man, since a little kid, since the cradle, man. This kid is just, it's just in him, you know? It just flows out, so. And they're on top of, like, shoe culture and all these other areas and, and streetwear and stuff. 
you know, Soul Assassins was such an essential part of helping to establish some of these artists and, and the most essential artists from, from yourself to Cypress Hill being deeply entrenched in the community from which you came and, and you're passionate about. So, yeah. you know, when I was growing up, it was kind of Kid Frost and a few other select mm. artists that Hell were really yeah. like planting the flag in the ground. And we loved that sound. We loved lowrider culture and we were into it, but it didn't feel like it was enough for us to hang a hat on it and really know what we were dealing with. Sure. That changed in the 90s. And and so I want your, your reflection on watching the way the world started to embrace not just the music, but your art. And all of a sudden, what had really existed within your community started to become something the world was fascinated by. The first time I really seen the influence was my first time to Tokyo in the 90s. And they had the Kid Frost album cover that I did, the East Side Story. And they were like, can you sign it? I, I couldn't believe that they knew who I was on the other side of the world. I mean, of course, there was no internet. So we worked off of like magazine interviews and yeah. uh, Stevan told me, do every interview you can do, bro. It's like free advertising. Just do it. No matter how, you know, little or big, just do it. And from that point, you know, I seen the Japanese embrace our culture real serious. I mean, they do not play they don't. when it comes to Chicano and culture. And they love the detail as well. That's the thing. So it's not like they'll, they'll pass over someone like you, an essential part of the puzzle. They will yeah. hyper-focus on you. Yes. And... They just kind of revolutionized and, and saved a certain area of lowriding in the 90s where financially they came with a lot of money that stepped a lot of the, the shops up. Yeah. Well, these guys were like street auto body shop now is an international exporter of classic vehicles, if you know what I'm saying. So they, they also have a lot of respect and they get respect because they come out and lowride hard. Yeah, shout out to all the Japanese heads that are in lowriding. And um, now, you know, people can really see it thanks to Easy e You know, he Easy took me under his wing also when I was young and got me a couple album covers and merch and stuff like that. So he made lowriding famous. Well, this is where there was an interesting transition because t to your point, lowriding before that existed within the, the key advocates and the people who lived that life. Kid Frost, 100% authentic. But we weren't seeing it cross over to that degree until someone like Easy came in. Music videos and MTV started to incorporate these cars. Hydraulics became an absolute must staple have in any hip hop video. You got to make it go. Dre, NWA, the whole thing. And so coming from that space where it's more than just a video. Right. In fact, let's start there. For people who are listening to this who want to know more, I've got like, you know, a samurai in the room from that culture. Yeah. So where does it come from originally and what does it mean to the community before it becomes an MTV scene? For sure. I mean, lowriding can go is back to the Zoot Suit riots, you know, where they started to take these, these old these Chevys and lower them by putting cement blocks in the trunk and just trying to set these things down. And you know, um, the Zoot Suit came from the East Coast, from Harlem. Uh, Harlem jazz players came to East L.A. and downtown L.A. and performed. And the young kids looked at them and were like, those are the coolest guys on the planet. Let's, let's dress like them. But there was, a, there was a ration going on with the war. And uh, they didn't want excess clothing. And these kids were wearing baggy clothes. I mean, they were already starting basically the fashion that you will see now in, in Italy. And, uh, but we didn't know that, and they definitely did not know that back then. But um, they got into a lot of, you know, craziness and violence. And, but out of that poverty, out of the violence, out of the incarceration, bloomed this beautiful rose of, of lowriding and tattooing. And um, these kids figured out a long time ago, especially when, by the time the 60s and 70s, that an American car looks best laid on the floor, best with two doors, with wire wheels. 
and they invented hydraulics to get up in to get in and out of the driveways. And as the eighties hit, they started they started dancing with the cars, you know. And it was just this underground society where these candy chariots were brightening up the hood. This, you know, poverty stricken area, and here comes a candy tangerine sixty three Impala, and it just gives everybody hope. Hope gives birth to this beautiful creative era. And this has happened with hip hop. This has happened in so many different areas where in the search for for hope, you create something that is unique to you and, and your community and then everybody else. We all go, that's awesome. And so my question is, is as someone who came from inside that hope, watching it start to connect and become mass consumed and mass used, how you felt at times, not by the key people you mentioned who did it in a respectful and authentic way, Compton's finest, but other people started to lean into this culture and started to adopt it. And where you feel comfortable letting go and where you feel comfortable, where you feel uncomfortable with letting go. Yeah, I mean, does, does I mean, some people doesn't like a, a group if when people find out about them. Like yeah. They only want to know them when they're underground and they're up and coming. And once they kind of make it, people are like, oh man, they, they sold out or whatever. And with low riding, it, it was something not so much similar because low riding is so hardcore. It's so underground. The cops would take you to jail for having a lifted car. They'd impound your car. There was gangs jealous of you. There was all kinds of other factors that were yeah, it's real. way more serious than it coming out like on a Carl's Jr. commercial, you know? Yeah. Actually, people were happy to see that. Anytime you see a lowrider on the silver screen, people get hyped. And it's kind of like your knucklehead friend made it on TV, <laughs> you know? But he's handsome, so that's why he made it, right? But he's still a fool, you know? That's kind of how we felt. And... We were trying to like, well, if you're going to put a lowrider, put the right one in there. Put the one that... that Come know, from an authentic rag, place. Yeah. yeah. Something that people know like, oh, man, that's that's the move right there. That's what we try to invoke out of people is, is you know, if they're going to do it anyways, we want to represent and do it and have our, our people jump in there. And, and that's the case it. to this day. I mean, that's why we're seeing people who are watching everything from documentaries and movies and, you know, stories, articles being written. It's got to a point now, and rightfully so, where people from within inside the story want to be a part of the story. They want to help tell the right story. Exactly. It's always been people from outside of the culture shooting us, going, oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. look at how funny. The, the cars yeah. are hopping up and down. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And you can teach us, like, that's not real. Well, they try to put their opinion on us. And now we're more about us shooting from within out, right? So taking people to get a peek into our culture Instead of trying to explain it to them or sell it to them, we're not trying to do that. We're, we're more like, this is our culture. This is just the way I draw or this is the music we listen to. You know, we listen to a lot of classic soul too, you know, yeah. like 1960s and 70s, uh, Philadelphia sound, you know, Motown sound. For sure, I have compilations of some of the deepest underground cuts and, um, you know, the artwork is 100% derived from the same place. Yeah, they were teamed up back then. I always remember like Beat Street. You know, they were like, okay, you do the rapping, you do the dancing, you do the album cover. Like, <laughs> all the elements of hip hop, we all have our own way, you know. And uh, now artists are starting to come up, you know. Artists are starting to climb and visual artists, you know. For sure. Technology is catching up. Art now has actually, in many respects, the hottest seat at the table. The way that people are talking about NFT technology, 
the idea of distribution through digital means something that is unique only to the user. I mean, I got I got to go there with you because you have built INC in almost every capacity. So where do you stand on blockchain technology and the idea of working in that space further? I embrace this future technology because I know that I don't know. And if they were to try to explain to me, you know, years ago that that big CD case I had um, on my front seat, that that would be gone yeah. and it would all be invisible, <laughs> but accessible on my phone. It would have been hard to wrap my brain around that back then. Now, we, we all, I don't think anybody's putting really CDs, even though it does sound real good in your car. Same thing with the art. These kids, these youngsters that are coming up, they're cool with technology. They're not tripping on it. I'll use my son for an example. I have a 17-year-old son, senior in high school. You know, he, he's blown away. He's all he loves, hip-hop, the culture. He's really about it. He's a sweet kid. But I'm on him to like, son, you need to know how to use a pencil and, you know, light a candle and use a pencil. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that's caveman style. For all real. the way to, son, you need to get this new, you know, fresco app and, and get this, you know, and learn Illustrator and, and learn Photoshop and, and iMovie and all this stuff. So definitely teaching him both. But the people that made the technology are some of the best artists in the world. They understand, they get it, and they make my life a lot easier because they're thinking ahead. Oh, you're going to want to put a layer over here. You're going to want to erase right here. We're gonna... So that's the difference. I really feel like I'm not using technology because it has a grain to it. it there's no way to tell. If I printed it out, it'd be very hard to tell I didn't do it by hand. Well, let me get inside the method then a little more because I agree with you, but I want to know how it changed the way you work because when you're working by hand, every stroke becomes the reality ultimately. And it right. can change the nature of the vision. A mistake can become a part of the future. That's just it. It is what it is. Right. Now when you have command Z at your fingertips, and I've seen this in music, people get lost in too many options, too many sure. things they can rewind and redo. How you remain disciplined enough in a place of infinite options. Yeah, well, you know, I'm already jaded from being 50 years old, you know what I mean? That I have so much hand-done stuff in my past. I if you're jaded, we are all totally f by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, like I'm using my son, once again, as an example, like how do I keep him there? But it's still really hard to do. But I understand what you're saying by over-sharpening it, over-polishing it. Yeah. You could lose the, the fluidity the of it. The essence of what rawness. you do, yeah. You know what what the difference is is like my son's learning how to how to bomb on a wall. I don't want him going through any legal graph and go to jail, but he should know that application. It has nothing to do with the computer really. So he's got to learn the both. So the challenge is for this new generation is not only to embrace this technology, but to do stuff by hand. And that's what's gonna become, I think, even more popular is that people did this stuff by hand. But like, say I'm doing a logo for you. <laughs> Back in the day, it was real prehistoric style, you know. Now I can draw three loose roughs, send them to you. You can be like, you know what, Tuna, I like number two. And then I, we can go back and forth. And I do that all week. Like, I sit in my studio, and I'm just sending stuff out for approval all day. Back in the day, I, I can't even imagine... I mean, I, we had life before cell phones and we still Wasn't did Wasn't there something you know? romantic about sharpening the tools and getting down to work and building the, you know, the printing template? And yeah, but we still do that. You so still do we it. We still have to do it. But I'm saving trees as far as drawing goes because these, 
the iPad is so real when I draw that I don't feel I'm losing integrity. But let's just say um, after this, I'm going to go look at this wall. I got to scale this wall and paint it with spray paint cans. I'm going to use a scissor lift, but I'm also taking a picture with the, with the tablet and then I grid it on there. But I still have to get on that ladder and paint. By You're hand. enhancing the original method with what is at your fingertips and saving trees. Although, do you drive electric too? I don't. What are we talking about here? What are we even talking about here? I, you know, lowriders, I'm down to make my lowrider electric because <laughs> I use batteries to power my hydraulics. Yeah. As soon as they figure it out and they want to put a, a V8 looking That's the next level. Can you, down. can you imagine how fast those things will go then? It would be out of control. Out of I mean, control. We drive slow, but I'd like to go fast if I had to. The tattooing side of your life, along with everything else, you're busy. Like you said, you sit in your art studio and you're constantly, you know, working and in demand. Sure. So how do you sort of factor that one-on-one into your life? The one-on-one, you know, is definitely um, more like chess pieces now. Especially with the pandemic, tattooing stopped overnight. Yeah, 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 of course. And uh, shout out to all the tattooers out there. You know, it's, it was very difficult because well, that's what we do. We work on people's skin. So when that happened, I definitely had to work on other avenues to stay busy. But tattooing is that thing that you get to get inside someone's head and you're there. You know, when, when else am I going to get Eminem for six hours somewhere? You know what I mean? So you get these people for a, for a long time because you're about to do a light operation on them, you know? Pretty much. Can you tell us which one? And I don't know what, how, how far you take this. I understand the client privilege, but even just like which one was perhaps the most intricate or challenging to sort of complete the vision for the artist? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go back to uh, 50 Cent's back piece, you know, 51 and other tattoos, you know, and I, I, he already had his arm sleeved. And I, I said, bro, it's going to get lost with the other ones. I go, what do you got on your back? And he didn't have anything on his back. I go, I want to do the back piece. He goes, ah, I'm not, I'm cool. I'm not, I don't want that right now. I go, okay, when you're ready, let me know what's up. And he goes, all right. Cause I was tattooing uh, Lloyd Banks or something, right? And um, long story short, he left. And I was like, damn, I, I could have tattooed Eminem. I mean, 50 Cent. But he came back and he got that back piece. But halfway through, he told me, I got a meeting with Jimmy Iovine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. And I was like, I'll be back. And he split for like six hours. And, you know, his, his mixtapes were oh, man. exploding oh, on the street. So man. we waited. <laughs> and it's a good thing because he showed back up. But it's those type of things that people don't see. They just see his back on the cover. They don't know he left. He left through the the session, you know, all, everything that it took to get to that point. You know, doing Nas's um, mother's name, Eminem's daughter's portrait. These are are things that, and they got things to do. Like they're going to the club later on. I'm like, after I get you're tattooed, being, I want to go to sleep, you know? You're being very generous. Like, can you hurry up? I got to go to the club. It's like, I'm putting something on you that's going to last the rest of your life and you're hurry, in a hurry to get to the VIP section of a sh- club. Well, I imagine it was an amazing club. <laughs> no clubs and, are amazing. They're all pretty. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the most amazing ones are the shittiest ones. <laughs> true. But I guess they were throwing it at them so much. They yeah, just, true. you know, had to go. But yeah, it's, it's, 
it's crazy. And then their homeboys come in and they're talking to them. And then their, their people come up and they got to do an interview while you're tattooing That's them. That's the thing you talked about before, which I think is, we, I, I'd never really given enough time to, which is that you have to be the master of distraction. You have to be able to work with almost any unexpected scenario and keep a steady hand, literally a steady hand. Yes, because if there's some squiggly lines, they don't look and say, oh, the artist might have been, you know, moving a lot and distracted. Yeah. They're thinking I'm tripping, you know, or, or I'm falling off. But yeah, you got to grab them, you got to hold them, and you got to pin them down sometimes. And it's all a part of tattooing. And drawing is just one part of it. The other part is is stretching the skin and, and, and having the person at a right angle and talking them through a three, four-hour painful situation and keeping them uh, upbeat. It's a process. I got to know Dr. Wu a bit. I really like him and I, I love his so, work as well. And, um, you know, to me, as a, as, a, as a sort of another generation of tattooists that have benefited from the work you and your peers have done to establish it as a real business, as a real art form and a real business, um, how you sort of stay connected to the new tattooists? Do you take an interest? Do you love their work? Do you sort of make contact with them? Is it still part of the community for you? It is for sure. I mean, I embrace these guys, man. You know, of course, it's the future and keeps me on my toes if you will, you know. Um, I like to watch all that, you know. I'm not really going to tattoo conventions like that no more. But I definitely keep my eye, even, you know, through YouTube, I can watch everything. I can go to a car show and not even show up and someone with the GoPro walks around, you know. So you can still experience a lot of these things without having to be there. But I still will do a tattoo here and there, you know, to uh, make it pop. I'm still doing the tattoos. I owe people from before the Rona. There's a backlog. You got a list of people you got to make good for. Yes. Wow. Yeah. But I'm almost done. If there's a young kid out there right now or anybody out there that wants to make fine art their life, perhaps through ink or perhaps just, again, through technology, what would be sort of one of those really essential bits of information that you would, you would pass on to them in order to help, help them strengthen their resolve and chart the right path? I encourage all the people out there that, that love art or music and they want to do that for the career to um, grasp the concept of repetition. Repetition is the mother's skill. Doing something over and over and over again. And trying to be original with your style. Try to find some obscure, you know, niche area that you could be like, oh, I'm going to grab onto that. Speaks to me. Like when I, when I was doing lettering, I would go back to the 30s and 40s and look at this old English that was out of control. Some of them were in British pubs. <laughs> Like British pubs and barbershop windows so, from England. You still see them. You go out there sometime in West London, you yeah. go to some real old boozer that's a proper old boozer. And you're right. It's like, wow, Toon do those letters up there above the door? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was definitely influenced because yeah. that was like a sign that you made it to get these, your name in gold leaf on the window. You know, you were doing something right. And um, I would get influenced by that. And I remember my first time to London, you know, I was doing graph and and they they loved like West Coast Chicano art. I couldn't believe it. And speaking the Queen at the same time, it was it was nuts, man. Crazy. This artwork goes beyond the Harbor area or San Pedro or East LA or or Santa Monica. You know these goes beyond the um, West Coast and people. You know in New Zealand and Australia, um, Thailand, Japan. You know Europe, Mexico, everywhere's going nuts over this certain script, Old English. Those letter styles were taken from um, 
a wedding invite or a quinceanera invite or uh, the city of Los Angeles gives you, you know, the LA Times or something. You know, it was written in this font. And the homies would copy that font and they would write Compton. Or they would write yeah. San Pedro in there, you know. And it made it like official and solid. But those fonts are from England, you know. Maybe the homies didn't know that, but they they were smart in, in taking that style. And now it's international. Having lived in Los Angeles now for close to seven years, it is a wonderful kind of pigeon-like environment where things are adopted and taken and absorbed and then it's turned into something original. And that's not to say that there is an originality that comes from here. You're a perfect example of that. But it is an interesting place. It, 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 it's full of transients for people that come in and come out and have, sure. to, have to fit in. So for you, as, as someone who calls this place home and has been essential in the exportation of what makes, you know, Latin culture and in particular West Coast culture so attractive and incredible, what is it about living in Los Angeles that makes it innately unique for you that, that, that really speaks to your heart, not just your eyes and your talent? Yeah, I've, I've been able, I'm fortunate enough to be able to travel the world and, and I still, of course, have LA as my home. Being born and raised here, I was, uh, you know, I've only really known this, right? And then when I travel, I can have something to to compare to. Yeah. But I noticed that the great people from around the world come to California <laughs> to make it. So I encourage, you know, not only myself coming up, but other people that, hey, man, you live in the most fortunate place in the world, at least for entertainment, right? So if you don't jump in on this and go learn how to, be a PA on a music video, or like you like music, okay, then you should go, you know, it's go right drink there. coffee. Yeah, yeah. Go it's jump right in there. there and do whatever you have to do to be around it. That's right. We're very fortunate in Southern California that there's so much talent and opportunity. So that's why we do so much outreach. We we talk to so many young people and say, hey, take advantage of your surroundings. You know, might be tough at home, but hey, you could turn this around. By, by jumping headfirst in and submersing yourself in what you love and then putting crazy amounts of effort and energy behind that, you know? And guess what, Mr. Katsun, you're making it even easier than teaming up with us at the App Store and being able to do this and honor Latin yeah. for a month. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming Same. in. I've Thank been looking you, forward to this for a long time. As you came in, so we go out. Yeah, that's right. Soul Assassins. Yeah. Please add a rating or a comment to that. My latest conversation on the interview series right here on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to Mr. Cartoon for some time and we appreciate yours. Thank you for listening.